by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Well, Hebrews 13, verse 5, God says, I will never fail you, and I will never abandon you. Do you believe that? Well, it's easy to believe that in church, isn't it? I mean, when you're sitting around all these faith-filled people and the Spirit of God is here, it's easy to believe that God will never fail you or abandon you. But when you're going through something in your life, it can often test your faith in this scripture. How many of you remember the story of Samson? You know, probably the strongest man that ever lived on the earth. God gave him supernatural strength. In fact, his birth itself was supernatural. God uh, came, the angel of the Lord came and talked to his parents and said, you're going to have a child and he's going to have all these strengths and gifts. And... But you know, even if an angel of the Lord didn't speak to your parents, he still gave you strengths and gifts. They may not be as flamboyant as being the strongest person on the earth, but you are strong. And God has called you, and you do have gifts and abilities. Anyway, that's not my message today. But, but Samson grew up. He realized his strength. But Samson had a few issues. He was wanting to use his gifts and abilities for his own purposes, it seemed like to me, which is what a lot of us do. It wasn't because his parents weren't telling him. He had good parents. But it's, it just seems like the kids today. <laughs> you know, they've been saying kids today for generations. They said it while we were kids. Kids today. So it seems like kids today got to go out and do their own thing and find out their own way. And that's what Samson was doing. And Samson had a little issue with women. He liked them. He liked them a lot. He didn't care if it was the ones he was supposed to date from, you know, the tribe of Israel or, or if it was an outsider. And God said, you know, don't be unequally yoked, you know. And for us, that means somebody that's not a Christian. But he, wanted, he said, she looks good to me. And he wanted her. Well, there's a, you can read it for yourselves. It's in Judges 13, a lot of... Stories about Samson, how he took the gates of a whole city on his shoulder and he killed a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey and all the miraculous things that God did through him. And he delivered basically his people Israel through this knucklehead that wasn't really hooked up with him. He was just operating in the gifts that God gave him. But finally he just kept going and going and pushing God's buttons, you know. And he met this girl Delilah. And Delilah was trying, she was working for the enemy. She was with the Philistines, and she was, she was pretending to like Samson. Samson's laying his head all in her lap, you know. He's all in, you know. He's just got this thing for women. He's blinded by his own passions and lust. Now, man, I'm sure there's a sermon in there somewhere. But anyway, I digress. Back before I, <laughs> I interrupted myself again. All right, so... 
He's got his head in her lap, and she's saying, where's the source of your strength, Samson? Because she wants to tell the enemy. He tell, he's just joking with her and joshing with her, you know, a couple times, and they try a different thing. You'd think after three times the Philistines come in and he breaks the ropes and all this stuff, you would think that he would say, I don't need to tell this woman anything. But blinded, you know, by whatever that thing is in men. <laughs> and anyway, long story short, he eventually tells her what's the source of his strength, and she cuts off his hair, and the enemy gets him. They poke his eyes out, blind him, and make him tread corn like a mule, and then they bring him before all the people to make fun of him and stuff. In the end, he did ask God one more time for some strength, and God helped him destroy more enemies. And God did come back to him. But I always, when I think of that story, it scares me. Because I think, here's this man who had all these gifts and abilities, but they were taken away. He didn't even know it happened. He didn't even know when it happened. He got up with his hair cut off thinking he's going to be as strong as always, and he wasn't. And his eyes were poked out. His flesh had led him astray. He had depended on the gifts, but not the gift giver. Hmm, that's another sermon. Man, look, somebody writing these down? <sighs> The enemy had blinded Samson before he even blinded Samson. He had blinded him spiritually before he blinded him physically. And I always thought, that's scary to me because I don't want to be sitting up here depending on the gifts, thinking because God gives me messages for you guys. I realize that God gives me messages for you guys when I don't deserve them because he loves you. But I can never start depending on that. I have my own walk with Jesus. And I get nervous sometimes. I think, man, what if, what if God leaves me? I get to, you know, what if I don't pray enough? What if I don't read the word enough? What if I'm not holy enough? What if I'm sin? Is that it for me? I'm just a person, guys. I'm just like you. I just have a responsibility on my shoulders. And I was the other day, you know, sometimes you start looking at circumstances. Like, man, here we go again. The church is going through another slump, and, and it's happening all over the world. It's like obstacle after obstacle, you know. And so when are we ever going to, you know, see these, this vision come to pass? It's like another obstacle. And so I was praying and just really feeling down. And I was like, God, have you left me? Please don't leave me, God. And I'm just going to be honest. I'm, I'm a big man, but I'm just gooey on the inside like you. And I was crying real tears. And I don't cry real tears much. My brother died, and I love him more than anybody in the world, but I just didn't cry about that. I don't, I'm not a crier. But when I think about God leaving me, or I, began, I was just weeping. I was crying, God, 
Please don't. Please don't. God, don't leave me. I was thinking about Samson. How it says he left Samson. But did God leave Samson? Or did Samson leave God? And did, did God really leave Samson? Or did he just take the gifts from him to teach him something? And was he not there when Samson turned to God again? And was even more than that, was that not Old Testament? Don't we walk in a better, more secure covenant based on covenant promises, based on the covenant between God and the Son? A blood covenant that says, I will never leave you or abandon you. And the Lord showed me right there. I don't know why I was crying. I was crying out to him that I have abandonment issues. Do you remember a couple of weeks I was telling this, maybe it was last week I told you the story about my parents getting a divorce when I was eight and them sitting me at the table and saying, Daddy's leaving, and how I began to weep and cry. Please, Daddy, don't leave. What did I do? And we think that's just a story from the past, but here I am, 56 years old, and that's coming up in me, that my Daddy's going to leave me again. And I thought about other stories I've told you guys about like waiting for my mama in the afternoons, you know, when she's supposed to be home at 5 and it's 5.10 and I'm pacing. And this was back four cell phones. And how I was worried that mama wasn't coming home. Now I, I'm an overachiever. You know, some people, when they, they're scared people are going to leave, they, want, they don't want to give you any excuse to leave. So I, everything I do, I feel like I got to do it my best. So that nobody will leave and nobody will quit me. And then my pathetic prayer tendencies. You say, Pastor, you're a pastor. You need to do better than this. But sometimes, often, I've got this guilt in me so deep that I, my family was uh, steeped in guilt. Everything was driven by guilt. And, and I suffer from allowing cursed condemnation to speak to me too often. And I will start my prayers like this. God, I'm sorry. And I'm, I know I always say I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry about saying I'm always sorry. And here I go again, God, I'm sorry. I often start my prayers like that and I think, God, you must get tired of hearing me. Saying these condemning things against my own self. It's a good thing to, to stay right with God and repent. But to have allow condemnation in your life, there's therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Our condemnation was put on Jesus and paid for. And I'm not walking in my freedom like I ought to. And the Lord was showing me just this week, I have abandonment issues. <laughs> Maybe you do too. 
And the things I'm going to talk about today are going to be re relative to that. But your issues may be a little different. They may not be abandonment. It may be, you know, I thought about Samson. He, didn't, he wasn't abandoned. He, he had good parents. Raised him up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. He, why did he act like he acted? Because he was prideful and entitled, spoiled. And that's an issue too. But whatever your issues are today, as we talk about abandonment, the things that I'm going to share with you that I feel will help us will help you too. Okay, so don't shut me off if you don't have abandonment or rejection issues. But back to abandonment. Do you often feel insecure? Feel unlovable? Even by God? Are you very wary in your relationships? Guarded? I'm not letting anybody in here. Or too close, because I know what they'll do to me. And when you do get in a relationship, are you needy? Or very jealous? Defensive? Y'all getting quiet on me up here. <laughs> It's either because I'm boring or I might be hitting home. <laughs> Have you been controlling in a relationship? Because you want to control the outcome. Do you often have big mood swings where you can be so happy and then just something happen and boom, and you're going to pout for a week, Right? They say one thing, and boom, I'm not talking to them anymore. That's not right to cut somebody off like that. They may have their own issues, and you're making theirs worse. Can you not take criticism or correction? Oh, that's a personal insult against me if somebody would dare say that what I'm, not, I'm doing is not perfect. Right? Maybe... You're just like me, and you just got to hear, I love you, I love you, I love you, over and over. Tell me you love me, tell me you love me, tell me. Poor Angie, poor, somebody say poor Angie. Poor Angie. Kiss me, hug me, hold me. Tell me you love me, tell me you love me, tell me you love me. <laughs> Is that you jumping, Johnny? I love you too, brother. Man, I love you. Maybe you are experiencing some abandonment issues that you may not even know are there. Some of these things can be associated with other issues as well, but that's not what, you know, where we're going today particularly. But say poor Angie again, because she's in the nursery. <clears throat> not because, that's not why she's poor Angie. She's getting to bless the little babies. But at two years old, Angie's birth mama, who had custody of her, gave her up to her stepmother and father. And their, she had divorce in her family at two years old. Now, I remember mine because I was eight years old. Angie doesn't even remember that. But there's issues in her life that go along with that because of all the times she had to go to somebody's, you know, this part of the family, and then over here to this side of the family, and she was, she was never 
feel fully part of the family because that was only her dad and somebody else, you know, her stepmom. Or over here, it was her mom and her stepdad. And so she always, she, she today deals, she, Angie does much better than me. <laughs> she deals with her issues much better. But I just made that point to say that even if it was at a young age when you experienced abandonment or rejection, there's a wound. And I want you to recognize if there's a wound, and we're going to talk about how God can heal them. Jamie Rohrbaugh says abandonment speaks. It says, you are rejected. You're not good enough. No one wants you. You don't fit in. You don't have any friends. You're worthless. No one will ever want you. You will never be accepted. Nothing that you can do will ever be good enough. That's what abandonment tries to speak to us. And you know what the source of that voice is? It's the devil himself. And you know what he's trying to do? Is he's trying to build strongholds in your mind. He's waging spiritual warfare against you. So how do we turn this around? How do we recognize and begin to fight the good fight of faith and take back what the devil has st stolen? Stealing. Take back what the devil has stealing. I just say that just to hear her correct me. <laughs> okay. I wrote down a few things. There's probably so many things. But number one, like I said, recognize you're broken. Some of us are like, this is the way it is, the way I've always been. This, you just have to accept me as I am, you know. No, that's not how it works. We're all becoming more, more Christ-like. We're going from glory to glory, precept upon precept, line upon line. We should be growing in our faith. We don't just say, this is the way I am, accept me. That's hard. That's not right. That's, me, that, that's a sign of a hard heart. So identify if you have some of these symptoms, and let's work on them. Expose the deception that you may be in. You may not recognize. But when you expose the darkness, the light comes flooding in. Right? So number two, figure your trigger. Figure out what it is that triggers you to go into the, this pouting mood or this ranting and raving or this depression. These things, these, this abnormal behavior for a, a child of God. Figure out what it is that causes, what did they say? What happened that caused me to feel this way? Because knowledge is power. And then you can begin to to recognize and anticipate, oh, I see the devil's fixing to set me up, make me pout for a week. Well, I'm not doing it today. Not today, devil. Not today. Knowledge is power. Proverbs 24, 5 says the wise are mightier than the strong. And those with knowledge grow stronger and stronger. 
So get some knowledge about the issues that you face in your life and take, say, hey, devil, I'm going to realize that I'm in a war and I'm, I'm going to fight back because according to the word of God, I win if I fight and if I don't quit. Number three, ask God to show you where the hurt began. I heard it said, and I've often repeated it, that if you go back in your history and find out where you believed the lie, you can see the different roads that it led you down and the destruction that is brought into your life. Go back to where you believed the lie and then take the word of God and correct that lie in your mind. The warfare is in your mind and what you believe. You know, some of us are still believing what some third grade kid said to us. You're stupid. You're ugly or whatever. So your whole life you're walking around looking in the mirror, I'm ugly. No, you were made in the image of God. You're not ugly. You're made how God made you. Like he wanted you to be. You're beautiful to him. You're one of a kind. You're a masterpiece according to Ephesians 2.10. So correct what the devil has distorted in your mind. Find out who hurt you. I guess this is a separate point, but find out who hurt you and forgive them. That will be powerful. Forgiveness is like a healing balm for you. And you've never been more like Jesus when you forgive someone who's hurt you. Oh, forgiveness is a good thing. Number four, fix your thoughts. Because they can be broken. Fix them by fixing them. That means fix them on something different. Only the truth of God's word can set us free to love and to be loved like God truly intends for our lives. We don't want to miss out on this abundant life, be held captive by the lies that we have believed. The truth, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So if you know what you've believed is a lie, then find out what the truth is and get your eyes on it and take captive every thought. Now, I almost didn't put this in here because I preach on it so much, but it's such a vital scripture. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5 say, We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds. Remember, we talked about the devil building strongholds. The strongholds are in your mind. It's things that you can't get past because you just believe the lie. He's, he's heaped lie upon lie. Now it's, it's so strong, it's like a wall that you can't get through. But it's a lie. And the truth will break through and set you free. To break, knock down the strongholds of human reason and destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. And we capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. All of us have rebellious thoughts. So when you find yourself going down that rabbit hole, that could be one of your main triggers is your own mind. Everything's going wonderful in your relationship with your spouse. And you just look over there and say, yeah, but nobody could love me. 
You start looking, I bet they don't love me right now. They hadn't kissed me in three hours. They ain't talk, they're not even talking to me right now. Pretty soon, you're mad at them, and they're like, what? Where did this come from? Take those rebellious thoughts captive. As soon as you notice them, recognize them and say, no, no, uh-uh, devil. Uh-uh, I don't believe that no more. I don't believe that. Philippians 4.8 says it beautifully. Fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. We're not supposed to sit and dwell on negative stuff. We all have thoughts. Thomas said in the life group this week, he said, you know, a bird may fly over your head, but you ain't got to let it make a nest in your hair. And thoughts will fly into your head, you let them fly right on out. You tell them, get on out of here, devil. I'm going to think on good things. I know sometimes our flesh just likes to think on negative things. It likes to be sad. Oh, woe is me. You got to decide if that's the way you want to live or not. I don't. I've, I've lived there too long. I want a new residence. So that was number four. Number five. Talk it out with God. You see, I didn't come to the realization of a lot of these things and hadn't put them all into my life the way I should without talking to God and finding out. God will reveal your prayer time with God is how you, how you deal. If you look at the Psalms that were written by David, he often starts brutally honest. I don't feel good, God. This is, this is terrible. I'm always, people are always chasing me. Where are you at? He talks to God. He's honest with God. But just being in a conversation with God draws you near to God, and then nearness to God draws you to reality, the realities of heaven. And by the end of the by the end of the psalm, David is praising God and saying, thank you, God, that you've always been with me and never left me. In fact, let's look at one. Psalms 27, verse 9. This is David talking now. He's saying, I can, I can picture. You know how much stuff David went through? He was anointed king as a young boy, but he didn't become king for many, many years. And it looked like it was never going to happen. The king himself is chasing David all over the place, trying to kill him. He's got Philistine enemies, Amorite en enemies, everybody's David's enemy. He's got this ragtag bunch of people that's following him because they know he's got a destiny on his life. But it don't seem like it's ever going to happen. And he goes through situation after situation after situation. Finally, he goes off to war. He's doing right things. He hasn't done anything to deserve this. He could have killed the king, but he didn't. He comes back, and they've stole all his stuff. I keep telling this story because God's trying to get something across to us. Passion Church. And they've stole his wife and children and all the men's wife and children, all the stuff, and run off. And the men even turn on David. The only people that were his friends turn on him and want to kill him. 
What would you do? That's it, man. I'm just tired. I'm through. I ain't doing this no more. I'm over with. Maybe David had a few abandonment issues. I don't know. His dad didn't even call him in the room when they were anointing his brothers to be king, which one they were choosing. Sure, he had some rejection issues. Sure, he could have said, I'm tired of being rejected. God said I was going to be king. It ain't never going to happen. Are you giving up on your dreams? Are we giving up on our vision? Good thing David stirred himself up in the Lord. That's what I did this week. I stirred myself up in the Lord. Hmm. I stirred myself up in the Lord. And it wasn't but a few weeks later for David's situation, he was made king of all of Israel. Isn't that awesome? Man, what did I say last week? That's how winning is done. You don't quit. You don't turn back. The deeper the sorrow, the harder the trials, the larger the obstacles that you face, the greater the glory in the end. The more God can trust you with. So if you're going through hard times right now and you think you can't make it, you can. And you got to stir yourselves up and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Keep moving forward. In this psalm, David said, don't turn your back on me. Do not reject your servant in anger. He's probably thinking, God's mad at him. God wasn't mad at David. You have always been my helper. Don't leave me now. What does he say? Don't abandon me. Oh, God of my salvation. And it's almost like between verse 9 and verse 10, he reminded himself of who his God is. And he says, even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Man, I'd hate to ask how many people come from divorced households in here, broken families. But even if your father and mother abandon you, both of them, God will hold you close. Talk to God. He will encourage you. Number six, give yourself space and grace to heal. This isn't an overnight process. You're not going to be perfect. Some, what's the worst thing you can do is get under condemnation about not being out of condemnation. <laughs> I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry I'm saying I'm sorry, God. <laughs> I'm sorry that you have to listen to me to say I'm sorry again, God. Give yourself some grace. You know one thing I, I'm pretty good at? I don't have a whole lot of gifts, but one thing I'm pretty good at is being... Uh, merciful to other people maybe some of you can say i've told pastor some stuff and he still loves me i don't know of anybody in here that would say he got on me and he ran me off because i know those who show mercy will be shown mercy show yourself some mercy and give yourself some space and time to heal 
Number seven, talk to your friend. Find a good friend, not a whole lot of friends, but find a good friend you can talk to about this. And trust. And, uh, and if your issues are really deep, you may need to get a good Christian counselor. A good Christian counselor can do you some good. I know, I know one, and I know some people who've been to one, and it changed their life. Now you can get, there's some that, you know, you wouldn't want to go to. You make sure you find a good Christian one. But above all, keep running to the arms of Christ. I mean, when you're not doing anything else right in your life, when you're in the midst of one of your deep, darkest modes of depression or wherever you're at, just run to Jesus. There's no other name by which a man can be saved. Just run to Jesus if you can't remember what else to do. We're all easily pulled away from God in today's society. Would you agree? There's just so many other things we could be doing on a Sunday morning. There's so many voices that we could listen to to tell us why we don't, our God's not real and he's not doing nothing for us. There's so many ways that we could be pulled away. But last week we talked about perspective. And if you allow yourself to be pulled away from God, now you're seeing things from a different perspective. You're no longer on, in the secret place of the Most High. You done got outside and you're seeing things from a different perspective. And that, that's not good. Because we, from that perspective... It's easy for our flesh to begin to blame God for the distance between the two of us. And if we begin to not trust God, then we stop trusting the things that he does for us. And then we don't have faith to believe for God. And then we get out there, and I see this happening. Our flesh begins to tell us this is what we want, and we say, well, I know God, and, I, and God shows me, and so I pray, and then my, I, I basically pray with myself. I maybe throw up something to God, but then I listen to my own voice, and it says, yeah, God told me I could have that. God told me to do that. And then we begin to blame God for all our bad decisions. Then, when your life is a mess, you come to me or your pastor or somebody. And then you say, why didn't you tell me? Well, you told me God said. What am I going to speak against what God said? I'm learning, even as a pastor, to stop saying God told me this. God said this. Because you put yourself in a box. If you were wrong, then what? And we're telling everybody God said for me to buy this new car that I can't afford. And then, when, 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 then what happens? When, when the bank comes, gets it. <laughs> well, what God say now? <laughs> right? Mm, we find ourselves deceived. And we go back to being swindlers of our own identity. Identity theft. <laughs> I had somebody, I won't say who, but somebody came to me a couple years ago and said, God showed me, Pastor, 
that you're like Joshua. I said, yeah, he did. <laughs> I bet he did. God, a man of faith and power, the one that brought him across the Jordan into the promise. That's me. I was so happy that she said God told her that, that I was like Joshua. Man, I was like, yeah, I received that. The next day she came back and she said, you know, Pastor, I hate to tell you this, but God told me I misheard him. It wasn't Joshua. It was Jacob. I said, oh, <laughs> okay, well, thanks for, for letting me know. You sure about that? <laughs> I had to deal with that because Jacob was a swindler. He lived his life, you know, trying to get ahead by whatever means necessary. And that's the way I lived my life before Jesus. I was 32 before I came to the Lord. I was a wheeler dealer, man. I didn't know God's ways. I was a mess, and Jacob was a mess. I mean, he stole his brother's birthright, all the things he did. Then he ran off, and he got with Laban and whole, that whole crew, and then he met a bigger swindler than him. He got tricked, and he finally said, you know, after 14 years, he said, I'm going home. And he, he decided, I'm at the end of myself. I don't want no more of this kind of life. And on the way back home, on the banks of the Jabbok River, he wrestled with God. And God wrestled with him all night. And even in the morning, Jacob was holding on to God. He said, I won't let you go until you bless me. And I thought, that's fair. I'll take that. I'll take that. Because I lived my life as a swindler. And I got tired of that. And I was into myself. And I grabbed hold of God. And I ain't letting go. I am not letting go. You say, Pastor, why do you hold on to Jesus? Ain't he supposed to be holding on to us? Oh, he is. He holds us in his hand. No man will snatch us out. But love requires two people to hold on. Hold on to Jesus. Could I get the ministry team, if you're a part of the ministry team, to come up to the front? We're going to take just a moment today. We're going to open the altars. Maybe today you will want someone to pray with, one to share your journey with, somebody to believe with you, right? You can come and speak to one of our prayer warriors. Maybe you just want to go straight to the altar. That's fine. They'll make room. They'll scoot over. You get down there on your knees, the altar. You go straight to God. Maybe you want to do business with God today. Maybe you want to talk to God and say, show me, God, what, what is it in me that's broken? Because I want to be fixed today. But as this music plays and God deals with your heart, the Holy Spirit is here. Do you feel him? And let me say, don't you always want to be where the Holy Spirit is? You're in the right place. So as the Holy Spirit deals with your heart, whatever I've said today, maybe those are not your issues at all, but God is revealing to you what your issues are. 
Maybe you have health issues, financial issues. Maybe you don't even know Jesus and you want to get right with Him today. Just cry out to Him and say, God, be the Lord of my life. Maybe you've tried and tried in your own strength and you're just wore out and you can't get past this latest obstacle and you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and power. We can't do this without the Holy Spirit. You say, well, I'm saved and I I got the Holy Spirit. But yeah, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We we take back places in our life and, and don't grant Him access. Yes, He's there. But you need to give him full access today. And as this music plays, I'm going to read over you this Romans chapter 8, verse 38. Anytime that you want to come, you're welcome. Apostle Paul says to the church in Rome that I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of God's creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know the love of God that you're looking for is in Jesus. You, maybe you've questioned it, love, and like I did this week. God, do you not love me anymore? Are you tired of my sin, Lord? Have you, you, you fed up with me? Are you casting me away? I want to tell you this. If Jesus was through with you, he would have walked away when they nailed him to that cross. If he was ever going to leave or forsake you, it would have been while he was hanging on your cross. And we were hurling insults at him and spitting on him and mocking him for what he was doing. God was pouring out our sin upon him. And you know what Jesus said? He said, my God, my God, why have thou abandoned me? Jesus was abandoned so that we will never have to be. to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.